0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. This is a series from the book of Revelation because if it was on the entire book of Revelation, we could be here for a couple years. And um, I want to... I'm really emphasized that as I read this, this series is gonna be more, it's a four part series, and it's more um, thematic than exhaustive. It's a thematic series, but a very, very important series, I believe. And the series was actually born from one verse in uh, the first chapter of Revelation. And let me just say this, I wanna give you some homework. Everybody ready, online. Here's your homework. I want to encourage you to read the first three chapters of Revelation this week. In the midst of your Bible study, read the first three chapters of the uh, book of Revelation. And uh, I want to just go right to it. So I've got like a mini intro and then the the message for today. But look at what Revelation uh, chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 focusing on verse 3 says. The the Bible says here, the revelation, which means the unfolding or the disclosing of what's not been seen before. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, that would be us, what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, The word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. A little bit more. Now, here's the key verse. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Please feel free when you're reading those first three chapters to even read it aloud. There's a blessing that comes when we read the word of God. Read it aloud. Let it fill the atmosphere of your room and your study and your car. There's a blessing when we read the word of God aloud. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and say these three words with me. Ready? Take to heart. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because... The time is near. So, brothers and sisters, can I tell you something? The time is near. We are closer to the coming of the Lord. We are closer to standing before the the throne of God. The judgment seat of Christ is ever so near. And what the Bible says is there are certain things that we need to take to heart. Look at what Albert Barnes said about this. He said, the person who reads and receives these truths will be highly favored by God. It doesn't say we have to understand or interpret everything to be blessed and highly favored, but allow it to inspire us to faith, meaning to take things to heart, to faith in the things that have remained unknown to the world yet unveiled to his children, his church. And so the Lord wants us to take to heart certain things. This is a very big deal. This is the title of the series, Take to Heart. What are you taking to heart? Here's what take to heart means. It means to internalize or live according to something, to be greatly affected and impacted by something, to hold on to as valuable and life-directing. Now, this last line is probably the most specific when Jesus says, blessed are those who take to heart. It means when you take something to heart, you hold on to it as valuable and life-directing. So, what are you taking to heart right now? Because everyone takes certain things to heart. This is part of the human condition. As human beings, we have a natural propensity to take certain things to heart. And whatever you're taking to heart, that's what's shaping you. If you're taking politics to heart, politics are shaping you. If you're taking negative news to heart, negative news is shaping you. If you're taking social media to heart, that's what's shaping your life. From the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. What is your heart full of? What are you receiving? Let me kind of break this down a little bit more. We're going to be praying in a moment. But all of us take certain, certain, uh, um, certain things to heart. For example, we take to heart family and social influences. There are experiences that you and I have had in, as we're growing up, and those experiences can have a profound impact on us. In fact, I have met many, many people who experienced trauma when they were children. And they took the trauma, something negative a father said or did, something negative a mother said or did, and it hit them in such a powerful and profound way. They received it so deeply that it literally shapes their life. Now, the good news today, brothers and sisters, is that you could have been traumatized. Trauma is real. Pain is real. The assaults of the enemy are real. But hallelujah, you don't have to take it to heart. You could take the word of God to heart. You could take the promise of God to heart. You could be healed in the name of Jesus. How many believe that today? We can be healed by the powerful, (laughs) glorious word of God. And I can tell you stories of people who experienced great trauma, but they took something greater to heart. You see? So it could be media influences. That means we, we take these, these uh, uh, um, idealized false realities. You look at the news, everyone is putting out their version of truth, and they make themselves more right, and they make the opposition more wrong, and, and some people on social media, they make their life look perfect when everybody knows no one's life is really perfect. And when you wake up in the morning, everyone's hair needs to be combed. But we put on the perfect pictures, and some of us, especially, especially they, they say we've got to keep social media away from junior hires because they so take in these idealized images, it makes them depressed because they say, that's not my life. How many know we got to get the word of God in them? I'm going to say amen. So there's amen. Yes, let's put the, our hands together for that. And then there are cultural influences, taking to heart our need to keep up. We want to be accepted. We jump on the cultural bandwagons. Christians do not jump on cultural bandwagons. We are on the wagon of Christ. How many would say amen? We are on Jesus' wagon, Jesus' train, and that's it. We don't have to take the things that the world is saying important to heart. We take what Jesus says to heart. Amen? And so so today we can know as we read this, what this passage is telling us is that we can take God's word to heart. The word of God is meant to shape our lives in a a very powerful, powerful way. Listen to this. A psychologist said this. A leading Christian psychologist said, human beings are self-interpreting animals as selves- They live not by bread alone, but also by the words in terms of which they interpret themselves. How do you interpret yourself? How do you interpret your life? What words shape how you feel about yourself and how you look at the world? Those who seriously interpret themselves in Christian terms will tend to have Christian selves. So you have to take the word of God to heart okay? You have to take to heart in such a uh, penetrating and powerful way. If you don't take the things that Jesus says to heart right now, then brothers and sisters, we're going to be drifting and we're going to get blown away. That's why this series is so important, is that we have to take certain, uh, a very important biblical truths to heart. And today, 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 The title of today's message is, Take to Heart that He Wants to Speak to You. Take to heart that God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And when I say He wants to speak to you, I mean you. I mean us, but really not us, you. He wants to speak to each and every one of us. Is it possible in your faith that the God of the universe who sent his one and only begotten son to die for each and every one of us is it possible that after he rose from the dead that he would not want to speak to us no he wants to speak to us and if he is speaking to us we will stand strong we will be unshakable even in the crazy times that we're living in. So let's pray right now, online, right here. I know I've asked you to lift your hands, but lift your hands. I want men everywhere, men and women everywhere. Lift up holy hands. And let's, let's as we lift our hands, let, the, let it be like a surrender. Let it be like I'm opening up my heart to you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to every person? God, would you show us what to take to heart? We want to be blessed. We want to walk in the blessing of God. And the only way we could really walk in that blessing is if we take to heart, not what the world wants us to take to heart, not what the educational system, Lord, not what the devil, but Lord, what you want us to take to heart. So I pray from the youngest to the oldest, God, help us. Create an expectation and a faith that says that you want to speak to your people in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Now, this book, these verses are shouting the fact that the glorified Christ wants to speak to us. And when the glorified Christ speaks to us, It is 90% the word of God and 10% people and providence. Let me explain that for a second, okay? The way God has has, um, designed, if I could use that word, life in Christ, life with the body of believers, is that 90% of the ways that God speaks to us is through the Bible, through his word, Okay? Now, there's another 10%. The 90% is primary, supreme authority of your life, and my life should be the Word of God. But the 10% is necessary. The 10% is necessary because we don't interpret the Bible always just on our own. We need other people to bear witness. The Bible says the Spirit bears witness. When you go to make decisions, as you go to learn the Bible, for example, I'm part of that 10% as your pastor. I'm helping you understand what the word of God means. And then there are other people that bear witness. You could say, I feel like I heard from God. And when you go say, I feel like I heard from God, there's a bearing of witness. If you can't convince the important godly people, I say this all the time, in your life that you heard from God, you may not be so confident in your hearing because the spirit bears witness. There's providence. There's providence. Sometimes... Uh, 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 your circumstances are part of God speaking to you in your life. But the primary way is through the Word of God. And so God wants to speak to us. Now, when we say take to heart that God wants to speak to us, what are we actually saying? What's well, it's fundamentally two things. Number one... It means that we are expecting the word of God to be very specific, and let me explain to you why. Look at what the Bible says here, and and then we'll unpack this. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Okay, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you ex, uh, um to peace to grace and peace to you from him who is who was. And who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. This is talking about the fact that Jesus is going to come back, and the people who reject him, they're gonna, they won't be happy. We'll talk about that in like week three, right? But it's coming. The time is near. And says, so shall it be, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because the word of God Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So let me pause here for one quick second. Remember, the intro messages have a lot of information. And John was actually exiled. He was undergoing persecution. The the leader of the Roman Empire at the time was Emperor Domitian. And uh, Domitian was demanding that people would actually worship him. And if you didn't worship him, you would be ridiculed. You would be um, potentially persecuted, arrested. You would, get, uh, you would be boycotted economically. In other words, you know this whole cancel culture thing that's going on? That's what happened to John. Nothing new under the sun. Okay, so he was exiled. Why? Because of Jesus and because of his word, because of his testimony. And he said, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me A loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Okay, a little bit more. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And I'm going to stop here. Next week we'll take up, but I'm going to jump down for the sake of today. I'm jumping from 12 to 20. It says, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, which is speaking to the leaders of the church. Because God speaks to the leaders of the church so that the leader of the church can speak to the church. Okay? And then it says, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, what, this is, what Jesus is saying is that he wants to speak to every church. It's not just one church. Why? Because the spiritual condition of, of every church is different. And that's why we have to take what we're doing very seriously, and you have to take your membership at this church very seriously. Not because of Chicago Tabernacle, but because of King Jesus. You understand? And, and, and Jesus, he looks at all of the churches in Chicago, in this country, around the world, and he looks at their spiritual condition, and he has something very specific to say to them. Okay? And in the same way that he says something very specific to say to the churches, it naturally falls that he has also something very specific to say to the people of the churches. And so if you're going to take to heart the words of God, you have to expect the word of God to be specific. Expect it to be specific. What what am I talking about? I'm talking about what was your Bible reading like this week? How did you receive when you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible in a general way or are you expecting God to speak to you? We need to be expecting God to speak to us, to shape our life, to direct our life, to guide our lives. There is a very specific way that God wants to speak to each person. If he had a different word for the seven churches, how many know he has a different word for you and me? This is a very, very important thing for us to understand. What I have found over the years is that a general relationship with the Bible becomes a lukewarm relationship with Jesus. What do I mean by that? Some people read the Bible just for information. How many times have I talked to someone and said, oh, I know what the Bible says. So, what does the Bible say to you is what really counts? Come on, somebody say amen. What did the Bible say to you this week? See, some people don't even expect it to be specific. And what I'm trying to say today is that remember, we talked about the crossover series, right? How you have to cross over into a different place in God. I love you. You got to go deeper in God. The time is near. I'm not being melodramatic. What's going to keep you when there's riots in Chicago? What's going to keep you when people are going after each other's throats? How are you going to stand for Jesus? You need a specific word from God. You need the word of God, which is living and active, to speak powerfully into your soul. So you get up in the morning and walk with faith and strength and life. It's a big deal. And so, listen, when, you, when we talk about the specific word of God, okay, let me give you some general guidelines. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Now, when you become a Christian, it sort of, I believe, it sort of switches a little bit because God's specific word for us is, first of all, based on the truth. How many know Jesus is the truth? When God's word speaks to you, it primarily or initially will speak to you about right and wrong, light and dark. When God's word speaks to you, he's always speaking to us. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to you about holiness and morality. Your walk with God, your life with God, your state of holiness, it's important. When you live an unholy life, it hurts you. Your heavenly father loves you. And so when the word of God speaks to us, of course, that's going to be the first thing. And if you can't get past the fact that God is going to tell you what kind of moral, spiritual choices that you make, well, you should not expect to hear from God because he's concerned about your well-being. Whatever is unholy is unhealthy. So plain and simple, when God speaks to us, it begins with the truth. And can I tell you something? Beware. I've noticed something as I watch the news and as I'm watching our culture, I'm watching social media. Here's an observation that I've made. I've noticed that we, even Christians, are becoming experts at criticizing other people. We're becoming experts at pointing out what's wrong in other people. What I wonder is, how are you doing when Jesus points something out in you? Can I tell you, that is what counts the most. When you stand before God, you're not going to stand before God for other people. You're going to stand before God for you. Oh, snap. Can I get a little prophetic today? This is important. You know, you know, if I don't say this to you, I'm going to be held accountable when I stand before God. So it's plain and simple, truth. What is the truth? Jesus is the one who establishes the truth. Not the universities, not the government, not the culture, not your family. The word of God. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Secondly, God's specific word is directional. The word of God, God has has a, his word is a light for us. It's a light unto our path. There is a way that God wants you and I to take. It is specific. He wants you to live in a particular place. He wants you to marry a particular person. He, there might be someone here. You're dating the wrong person. And he wants to speak to that. Why? Because he wants to lead you on the path of blessing and life. So there's a very directional nature to the word of God. He wants to steer us. In one of the Psalms, he says, don't be like a mule that you got to put a bit and a brittle in, okay? You got to put this instrument in their mouth. He says, I want to guide you with my eye. How close? How specific and how close do you have to know? You know, guide you with my eye, I've always used this. It's like the parent, has. you have people over. I've used this illustration many times, but I think it works. So you have people over. And you have kids at the table with the guests, and there's one more pork pork chop left. And you know the boy who just eats everything eats a whole box of Captain Crunch in one pass, right? What does the mom or the dad do? Because that last pork chop is for the guest, right? And the and the boy goes like this, and then the mom or the dad goes. How many know? That's communication. God wants you to be so close that he can just look at you and you know. How many would say amen? Hallelujah. And can I tell you something? This is where people come in. I was thinking about this today. I just prayed with the pastors. And can I tell you, I am so grateful for our staff, our pastoral team. They are... they're wonderful. They're wonderful men of God, and they're my friends. And can I tell you, they say words of encouragement. They speak words of life into my life. I want to speak words of life into their life, but they speak words of life into my life. And we have a staff. I, we have a, if I could say a freshman a staff member just came on, came in and said, pastor, I was praying, and I felt this word, and she gave me a word, and it was powerful. We need godly friendships who are full of the word of God, and we're speaking life into one another. How many would say amen? All of us, we need to be surrounded by godly people to, to speak life into us. You know, I have different people in my life. I have men of God. I have, I have the, the staff. I have, I have different people. My wife speaks into my life. I have someone who, who is like a, like a mom to me. And you know what? There have been a couple of occasions. She didn't realize it, but she said something to me that was like the word of the Lord. That's what we need to be to one another. That's the kind of community we need to have. Let the people act crazy in Chicago. Let them go nuts. We want to be people who are living by the word of the Lord. We want to walk under the word of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? That's the kind of life-giving community that we are meant to be, but the word of God is what makes it all possible. There's a bearing of witness. When I go to make a decision, I will often say, Chrissy, what do you think? I think the Lord is saying this. I say, pastors, what do you think? That's that 10%. Almost done with this point. Here's the last thing, and in a way, in a way, for the purpose of this, this is probably the most important in a, well, this is important. They're all important. We God's word is life-giving and life-producing. Okay? It's life-giving, life-producing. See, I just had a COVID moment because I see my sister with her Bible and I want to go over and touch her Bible, but I really shouldn't do that, should I? I'm, I'm cleaned up there. So So I read my Bible on this, but I also read my Bible in actual paper, you know the old Indian paper Bible. And uh, so there's something about every time you open the Bible, you need to raise your expectation because when you finish reading the Bible, there's a life that it wants to give to you. There's a promise. There's an encouragement or a correction or a direction. But it's life. The Word of God is the breath of life. Here's a verse that every Christian should memorize. Look at what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. It's the breath of God in black and white. And is useful for teaching, rebuking. If you're one of those people who can't be rebuked, you need to change your paradigm. For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But it's the breath of life. You know what I'm praying for you? I'm praying that you would go home, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day, and say, God, give me some life today. And here's what I found. Since you know the word of God is living and active, sometimes you read the word of God and you, didn't, you feel like, man, that didn't give me a lot of life. Hold on. Because it's like a seed. And sometimes as you start to walk, if they could send the musicians out, sometimes as you start to walk about your day, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will take what he deposited in you and quicken it, and it's exactly what you needed. Anybody ever have that happen? I hope you have, because that's the way your life ought to be. You see? And so there's this life-giving nature to the Word of God And you need to start. And here's the last thing I'll say about this. I remember when I first became a Christian. And I was really um, frustrated. Because I didn't understand the Bible. And I would read the Bible. And sometimes I would read the Bible. And my spirit would tell me, there's something there but you can't see it. And sometimes I would go to church And the pastor would preach on the verse that I just read, and he got like so much out of it, and I got nothing out of it, you know? And uh, you're like, and I'm like, come on, man, what's going on here? I want some revelation. But see, here's what has to happen. When you take in the word of God, the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So sometimes when you're taking in the word of God, the first thing the word of God has to do is dismantle. A lot of thought patterns that are actually hindering your ability to hear. And there are seeds that God is planting in your mind where fruit is growing, things are growing, and you got to let it mature. But stick with the Bible because the Bible will never let you down. You will be blessed if you just take it to heart. Take the Word of God to heart even when you don't fully understand it. It is 100% guaranteed to be true, life-giving, edifying. And so if you're like, but I don't understand, keep reading, there will be a process of revelation. Okay? I can't tell you how important today's message is. I can't tell you. You know, you raise up children, for example, to be independent. You know, so, so we have grandchildren now, and, and I'm watching the cycle of life where you feed them, and, uh, and uh, uh, like my youngest, Jojo's like eight months, nine months. I mean, he's huge, but, but he still has to be fed, and then Romy is two years old, and Romy can grab food now you know what i mean and it's part of the path of life but but when you when romy's at the table you have, it's going to be a mess there's food all over the place on the walls on his hair you know what i mean but as you grow you become a self feeder you have to become self feeders online you have to become a self feeder You have to get to the point where you're spending time with God and you're reading the word of God and you're feeding your soul. And you are walking with a sense of assurance and authority and and your life is is experiencing an anointing because you've spent time with Jesus and you received his life-giving truth. Somebody say amen. It's a big, big deal. Okay, I'm not interested in you just coming here. There's a purpose for your coming here. The purpose for your coming here is so I can help you when you go back to your life. And you can't be victorious. You can't be free. You can't um, avoid the snares of Satan if you're not full of the Word of God. I'm not full of the Word of God. We'll start today. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, little by little. Line upon line, precept upon precept. So that's the first thing. Now, secondly, and we're going to just close on this. Not only do we have to expect it to be specific, but we have to expect the word to be Jesus-centric versus me-centric. I would say this is the number one reason why people have a hard time getting revelation. Is because everything in our culture is about me. Okay, but, but, but how many know just because everything in the culture is about me, that doesn't mean that's the best thing for you. So when you go to read the word of God, you need to understand that the word of God focuses on Jesus upon his character. It starts with who he is, and then it impacts who we are. If you can't get past reading for a season where Jesus is, is showing you who He is, then you're gonna miss who He wants you to be, and where He wants you to go, and what He wants you to do, and how He wants to bless you. If you're always me, 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 and you shut the Bible because it wasn't about me, you're not getting what's really helpful to you. Why do I? Where do I get this from? Well, He says right to the churches, and like, that's like I said. You have your homework is to read the first three chapters. You're going to notice something. He speaks to the seven churches, and every word to the seven church to the seven churches is different. But all of it starts with who he is and what his character is. Let me just give you an example of three for the sake of time. Okay? So, to the church of Smyrna, he says, "These are the words of him who is the first and the last." who died and came to life again. So he's describing himself as the resurrected Savior to the the church of Smyrna. I want you to keep reading and then find out why did he say that. And sometimes you need to know that facet of who Jesus is because that's what your spirit and your life and your mind needs. So it starts with Jesus. Now look at this other church. In this other church, the, uh, uh, the church of Sardis, it says, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And here's what he says. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. So sometimes Jesus will say, Hey, maybe people don't know the game that you got going on, but I know it. I know what you're playing. I know what you're doing. You know, I'm not interested in your reputation. You see, it's specific, but it starts with his character. And here's he's saying, what? You think I don't have things under control? I got everybody in my hands. You see, stop running around and stop living for other people. You You better live for me. Come on, somebody say amen. We want to live for Jesus. Now to another church, look at this. To another church, he says, These are the words of him who is holy and true. Notice, all it starts with his character. It starts with who he is. You want to be edified? Just know when you read the word of God, the word of God starts its focus, its emphasis is Jesus. So these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts... No one can open. How many are grateful and and so thankful we serve the God of open doors? Hallelujah. Somebody read the Bible this morning, and you needed to read the Bible because you needed to hear from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. You needed to hear, I've got you. And you know what? Yes, I shut that door. But behold, I have an open door for you. And when I open that door, no man will be able to shut that door. When you get that word, you're not depressed because of a closed door. But it all starts with you realizing, wait a second, he's holy and he's true. He's faithful. It's not me-centered. It's Jesus-centered. Big, big deal for all of us. Listen. Can I say this? Just because God wants to speak to you, that doesn't mean it's always going to be about you. It'll mostly be about him. And, you know, I, over the years, I've heard secular people insinuate that the worship of God makes God selfish or self-centered, but that's not true. Listen to this. God is not selfish. He is life-giving perfection. Okay, how else will he give you life? Well, you have to focus on him. You have to receive from him. He's life-giving perfection. When he's the center of our lives, then everything gets better because we become like him. So Jesus focused is better. And now here's the last thing I'll say. We're going to close in one moment. The last thing I'll say is this. One of the things that the seven churches of revelation teach, teaches us, and, and uh, I'm, I'm getting tempted to move into next week's message, so I gotta hold myself, but let me just say this. I want, you, I want you to get ready for the elections, okay? I want you to get ready, and here's how you're gonna get ready. You need to know that the defining issue of our times as, as followers of Jesus Christ is not the outcome of the election, but the character of Jesus Christ. You could clap for that one, I think. You should. In these different circumstances of these different churches, in some cases, all hell was breaking loose in the culture, okay? And what does Jesus do he shows himself and we'll get into this next week but listen brothers and sisters the Word of God is the absolute most precious gift that any human being could have we have it on our phone now we can take it everywhere we go we 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 have such amazing access to the Word of God and I want to encourage you starting today Go read your Bible, but read your Bible with great expectation. And don't worry if it's not about you. If it's about him, just know it's good for you. It'll be really, really good for you. And it'll start to shape and guide your life. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. In your home, stand up. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Can I tell you, listen to John Newton, a great man of God. I'll close with this. Here's what he said. He said, precious Bible, what a treasure does the word of God afford. All I want for life or pleasure, food and medicine, shield and sword. Let the world account me poor. Christ and this, I need no more. How I many know if we have Jesus and His Word, we don't need anything else? He will provide all that we need. Hallelujah. So, listen, I want you to go. We, we, because of time, I want to sing, but we can't sing. We got to dismiss, we got to, we got to sanitize the building again and all that stuff. But could one more time lift your hands? He wants to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that we're not alone. I thank you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. I thank you that we have the all-powerful Word of God available to us. It's living and active. It is the breath of life. And I pray, God, we join together. God, we ask for the breath of life, oh God. God, I pray for the breath of life right now, oh God. Make your word life-giving to your people, to our teenagers, to our preteens, to our toddlers, to our babies, oh God, to married people, to single people, oh God. God, to senior citizens, let the word of God be powerful, oh God. Help us. To be people who are focused and centered on the word. As we go, Lord, activate something inside of our lives, oh God, that makes the desire to read the Bible our greatest hunger, oh God. Bless your word. Bless your people. God, how are we blessed? We are blessed when we take your word to heart. So I just pray, Lord God, that there would be a shift in every life that hears this message, that we would take your word to heart and so that we could be blessed and highly favored. Bless your people now as they go in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said aloud, amen, amen. Come on, let's clap to Jesus. Come on, let's praise Jesus. He's worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus.